We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the country throughout Australia from which we conduct our podcast. We would like to pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Beers and Tears. And today I'm here with Boo Seeker once again. Hello. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Really, really great. It's, bit, it's bright now. Well, not bright now. It's 10 a.m., but I did just wake up. So I'm feeling a bit dusty. All right. You and I, you were in the same boat with that. I only just woke up too. So oh, all good. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you based at the moment? Uh, I'm in the Gold Coast in Burley Heads. So I've been living up here now for a year and a half, I guess you could call it. I came up here on uh, 26th of December 2020 when they were going to shut the borders again because I wanted to get this record done and wanted to record with Matt Bartlam up here on the Gold Coast and literally left with a backpack and I haven't gone back since. This is home for now. Gosh, that's awesome. And so since we've last chat, you released... A new single, had a feature with Hayden James, got a new album coming out, you went to Coachella. So there's a, a lot to catch up on. Yeah, it's been a very busy uh, few months since we've last spoken, that's for sure. Yeah, making up for some lost time, which is... Exactly. Yeah. Um, starting off with the new single, well, the latest single, Real. Um, do you want to talk through this song a little bit? Tell us what it's about, how it came to be. Well, ironically, talking about Hayden James, what what happened was when Hayden and I started first speaking, he sent me through a bunch of demos and one of them was the music that we now call real, but it was, wasn't called anything at that present time. And Jay and I heard it in the studio and we resonated with it really quickly and we loved it wrote the lyric uh, and the melody that are on it now, sent it back to Hayden and he loved it and we were going to work on that. And then he lost all the stamps. He lost everything. So he was like, crap, I've I've lost that session. Can we write something new? So I was like, yep, sweet. So we we ended up writing free and um, lots go down. They ended up on his record. And Jay and I kept going back to this song called Real. And we're like, man, it's so good. Like it needs... We need to make this happen. So we spoke to Matt, our producer, and basically recreated a lot of the sounds, got Hayden back involved, and then he was like, why don't we put this on the on the boot record? So it was one of the last songs to to make it on the record, but I'm I'm stoked that it did because it's it's one of my favorites for sure. Damn, that's awesome. And are you happier with the, this end result or were you still pretty keen on the OG? Sound of the it's not far off. No, it's not far off. You wouldn't be able to tell, to be brutally honest. Like Hayden and and Matt did such an incredible job recreating a lot of the stems. So, um, yeah, it's definitely like you can. Uh, I personally think you can hear Hayden James in in that when it comes to like the production and stuff. And um, he's definitely influenced me on a few of the tracks for this record. I, I don't usually listen to a lot of music when I'm writing a record, but I've definitely listened to a lot more music this time around writing this one. Um, but working with Hayden's been 
such a dream and it's and it's really cool to get someone else's vibe on you know what i guess a lot of people know the boo seeker sound to be yeah cool and speaking of influences what are some of your who and what are some of your other influences for i think this track and the album as a whole um let me have a look so i've got a bad memory but i'll tell you my I've got a ginormous uh, vinyl collection here, so we'll have a quick look to what I've been listening to. So, well, this is not all of them, but this is some of them. How do I turn this camera around? I'm so bad at this. Oh, here we go. So this is about a third of my vinyl collection, or oh, our vinyl collection, right. I should say. A few there. Definitely Lana Del Rey, been a huge fan of her for a while. The Avalanches, definitely been um, pumping them for the record. Tammy Impala. As you can see, because there's two records there. Oh, you got the new Harry record. <laughs> yeah, I haven't I haven't listened to it yet, but like I've been hearing nothing but great things about it, to be brutally honest. Like I've had a lot of people say it's a great record. Um what else? Pink Floyd, obviously. This is one of my dad's like all-time favorite records. So cool. um definitely been a little influenced by that. What else? That's probably like the main ones that I've been listening to. Um, obviously, a bit of the Beatles. Yeah, Fleet Foxes, definitely listen to a lot of that. And the other one that I've really been into at the moment is um, Tom York from Radiohead. He brought out a solo record ages ago and I've been back listening to that again. So I definitely listen to a lot more music, as I said, on, on this time round, writing a record than I ever have because... I don't know, I, I like to try as hard as possible to recreate what I'm hearing in my head, you know, through the speakers, and I think that's about as uh, organic as you're going to get to, um, you know, creating your own sound because I think if you listen to too much music, I personally think anyway, um, if you listen to a certain record for too long, you end up just going to sound like that. So yeah. it's uh, definitely not what I'm inspiring to be, that's for sure. Cool. Are you predominantly a vinyl listener? Yeah, 100%. It's always, yeah, definitely vinyl. I mean, get on obviously Spotify and listen to Spotify when I'm in the car and stuff like that, but when I'm at home, it's always the vinyls for sure. Nice. Do you think that um way of listening impacts the way that you make your albums yeah i actually had this conversation with um someone yesterday i was doing an interview and they were like do you think in 10 years time you know writing albums are going to be dead and i i kind of think it's kind of going that way already to be brutally honest um but i think there's going to be a certain you know, a majority of artists that I think it'll be a, like a fork in the road. I think there will be um, artists that just do singles and there's like 100% no problem with that at all. You know, like I, I think like a lot of artists like Kid Leroy and, you know, you're Justin Bieber's and all those guys, like they're, re- they're releasing a new single every week, you know, and they're staying current and I think that's a, a great um way of releasing music um but i do feel that there is going to be a lot of artists that will still keep you know the trend of writing records um alive i just don't think it will be you know 100 percent the necessity moving forward yeah 
I think there's just like a different beauty in an album. 100%. And I think that's like listening to it on a record, you know, like for me, it's, it, I feel like a lot of people have finally, you know, in my generation, finally realized the difference between listening to a vinyl than what it is, you know, rather a CD or Spotify or something like that, because it's a whole experience, you know, you got to take it out, you got to wipe it down. If there's any dust on it, you listen to, you know, like I've, I find that it makes you listen to the record a lot more because halfway through you got to go over and you got to flip it over, you know, yeah. and you do the same thing. So I feel like there's a, a process and, and not only that, you know, growing up with, my parents it was always and how I got into music a lot was you know you sit down with the with the artwork the artwork was part of the whole pro like the whole process and the whole um story of that vinyl you know whether it was reading the lyrics or looking through the the pictures and stuff like that and, I, and obviously you can't do that on Spotify so you know I still think there is um it's the best way to indulge in music that's for sure yeah, it's like more conscious listening, I guess. It's kind 100%. of like having a hard copy book as well. There's like there's something about being able to like have a tangible thing in your hand that's a bit more, exactly. I don't know, feels a bit closer to home. I mean, Spotify, is, as much as a lot of people, you know, rip on certain things on, you know, where the music has gone, like I was speaking to a, another artist that, you know, was his career was... Uh, you know, I guess at its peak 20 years ago, yeah, it would be 20 years ago, and he was like, yeah, you know, everyone talks about the financial side of things of, you know, people having physical CDs and stuff like that. But he's like, and that's true, but he's like, it's also, there was no way of me going around the world and um, playing music in a different country if I didn't have a record label that was pumping my my music yeah. on the radio over there. But with Spotify, you put up a song and you look at, you know, it might only be three people, but there's three people in some other country you've never heard of before that's listening to your music. And, you know, for me touring around the world, I haven't signed any labels, you know, around the world, but I've been able to go to the UK and Europe and America and New Zealand and Indonesia and play, you know, sold out shows to people because they've listened to me on Spotify. So I, th I think, you know, it, it plays a huge role on that side of things for sure. hundred percent. It's really like able to kind of allow emerging artists to stay independent as well for as long as they want to, or if they want to. Um, exactly. Yeah, totally. Um, and you've got, new record coming out of your own between the head and heart um is there a particular message that you hope your listeners take from this album um i so for me when i write music and it's how i will i think forever look at writing music especially my own music is um Again, you know, music is a piece of art and I don't think it's within my right to tell someone exactly what the song's about because that person may connect with that song in a totally different way. And if I ruin that experience for that listener, they may not ever listen to that song again. So for me, I keep that pretty broad. Um, 
when it comes to telling people what the songs are about. But what I will say is that this record, I, I had a record written prior to this one and I scrapped it because it wasn't really speaking to me at the time of what I was going through in my personal life. And I was in a pretty big rut, to be brutally honest, you know, through COVID, um, went through some, pre- some pretty um, personal stuff that really kind of stuffed me up a little bit. And uh, what I found was I'm very bad. I'm pretty terrible at like doing interviews and stuff like that. Like I'm really bad with my words, but when it comes to writing music, it's the most easiest way for me to explain something to myself. So for me, this is a record that's 12 personal messages to myself to get me through, you know, these crazy times that I went through. Awesome. Yeah. I've been speaking to a lot of people about this lately because um, a few people have kind of said that the way that they've been writing music is like almost like a journal entry. Like you kind of work out what your thoughts are along the way of like where what you're writing. Um, which is really cool and interesting. And yeah, I guess it definitely allows um, a different kind of interpretation for different people because you kind of get your own little vibe from it at the end of the day. Yeah, I I think, um, you know, there's songs that I've written in the past that one of them was Does This Last on the first record and it literally vomited out of my mouth when I wrote those lyrics. It was like, I couldn't keep up with what was in my brain, but to be brutally honest, I had no idea what that song was about to me at that point. Um, and it wasn't until probably six months later that it all made sense, you know, and I think it's uh, even for for me as the artist, it was a pretty insane experience for me to go through that where I was like, I, kn- I know that I'm going to resonate with this song, but I'm not entirely sure right at this point but I'm going to put it out to the world because it feels right for me and it ended up becoming, you know, one of my biggest songs and still one of the, you know, most important songs in in my life with those lyrics that, you know, came to make sense to me about six months later. Yeah, interesting. Do you have a favourite song at the moment from the record and why? Um. There's a couple for me. There's a there's a song called I Like It Like. Um, it just hit me like a ton of bricks um, because it was so when people listen to the uh, to the lyrics, it's basically it just sounds like I'm having a conversation with somebody, um, and that was I guess the first song that took me on this journey of writing these messages to myself because I basically was looking at myself in a mirror at that present time and just staring into my own soul in a way and just kind of like we need to get you out of this rut, you know, and and it basically went down on a pen and paper and just started writing this conversation to myself. So I think that one is always going to have a... Uh, uh, a pretty special um, place in my heart for this record, for sure. Lovely. And what have you found the most challenging, the most challenging and the most rewarding process um, about making this album? I don't think if I, I certainly don't want to sound like a sad sack, that's for sure. I kind of sound like a, I feel like I'm sounding like a 
very miserable person right now. Right. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, it really showed me for myself because I, I lost, like going the first six months of COVID, it wasn't even COVID with, uh, you know, losing somewhat feeling like I was losing my career at that point point you know because and not only me I think every person in the music industry was like what's what's going to happen are we going to be able to go back to what we want to do um we didn't didn't know what was going on but I think even that aside it it really showed me how important music is to me to get me through those hard times whether it's me listening to you know the the vinyls that I've got over there every day and connecting with the songs that I, I love or writing it myself and getting getting through these hard times that I don't think if I'd written this this record, I would have come out on the other end feeling, you know, a lot lighter within myself and feeling like I'm back on the direction that I want to be, you know, personally. Yeah. Nice. And coming back to the Hayden James combo, um, yeah. How did this collab come to be um, and how did Free come to be? I can't remember who slipped into to the other person's DMs first, but one of us started chatting on the back end of Instagram um, and Hayden and I had never met. Like we'd played festivals with each other but actually spoke to each other but obviously we knew knew each other through um, the industry and yeah he was like hey do you want to I'll send you some demos and do you want to see if you you know resonate with anything and literally yeah wrote real first before anything came a uh, came out of it and what actually happened was he took the the vocal stem of what is now unreal and tried to put it over the top of the music that is now free right um, and for me, it just wasn't making sense. So I went back to the drawing board with Jay, and Jay and I wrote a whole new melody. And it, yeah, free was born. It's been it's been a crazy experience with with Hayden. Like we put out free. Oh, actually, before we even put out free, we played that song at Beyond the City in Melbourne for New Year's Eve. We'd never rehearsed, never done anything, and we got in front of like 18,000 people and played it, and it was like so gnarly not having any rehearsals. And then we went over to Coachella and same thing, no rehearsal, no nothing. He's just like, yep, that's your turn to get on stage and play the track to pack 10 at one of the biggest festivals in the world and you'll be right. So it's uh, it's been a nerve-wracking but very uh, fulfilling experience with Hayden and I love him and respect him so much. He's taught me a lot. Um of you know different recording processes that I would have never ever tried in if I hadn't met Hayden for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, you mentioned you've played a number of pretty big festivals and pretty big gigs. How do you prepare yourself to play something as big as Coachella, for example? Well. Let, let me put it this way. When it comes to, like, my own festival, um, or sorry, when I'm my own festival, when I play as Boo Seeker, there's definitely a bit of a routine that I go through and that's usually me disappearing, whether it's at 
I don't know, like somewhere away from anyone, whether it's even me locking myself in a toilet cubicle for 15 minutes before the before the show starts because I just need to settle myself before I'm about to walk on stage <laughs> yeah. um, and kind of running through all the songs in my head. But with Hayden, it was a completely different experience. It was taking tequila shots and partying backstage and carrying on and then him giving me the wave on to come on stage and play in front of a packed tent. So very different experience but all fulfilling, that's for sure. Yeah, far out. That would have been awesome. It was great. It was really cool. Um, Is there someone, like a bucket list person, that you would love to collaborate with on a song? Uh, there'd be a few, actually. I'd have to say, if I'm getting greedy, am I allowed to say a couple? Yeah, of course. <laughs> All right. So Kevin Parker, Anderson Pack, uh, Anna Del Rey, uh, Moby and Massive Attack, they would be my buckets for sure. Well, I think, you know, Moby and Massive Attack is kind of the, you know, maybe play like I still to this day probably listen to that record once a week. Um, and you know, not when I'm writing a record, but every other time. And um, it was probably the record that got me into writing Boost Seeker music, really. So to do it with someone as iconic to me as, as him, it would be a pretty, pretty big thing for me, yeah. And what is like one of your personal biggest takeaways I guess from being able to play live um and make music I think the easiest way to explain it is like like for you example like you go and see your like favorite band and you're standing in the crowd and your favorite song comes on and you're singing every word to that and you just get this overwhelming sensation come across your body and you're like my God, I love this song. I love this artist. You know, forever and always this artist will, you know, have a place in my heart. To know that I'm on the other side of that stage doing that to people now and I'm giving them the experience that I get when I go and see my favourite brands is the most incredible and insane honouring experience that I'll ever have in my life. Mm. Yeah. Wow. It must be. Do, do you get, like, overwhelmed with it? Yeah, I remember when I played, what was it? It it was when we did Does This Last on the Never Too Soon album tour. And, I mean, it's so honouring every every show that we play that, you know, everyone's singing back to us. But I just remember playing the 170 Russell in Melbourne and everyone was singing that song so loud that I could hardly hear myself that I broke down into tears. I just could not even keep myself uh, together because of that experience and that feeling that I got. It's like, holy fuck, I've, kind of, like, I've done it. Like I've, I've, I've done exactly what I feel music does to people and I've resonated with 1,200 people in a room that are singing my lyrics back to me so fucking loud and they know every fucking word. And I just don't think it will get any better than this. Yeah. God, what a beautiful feeling to have. Yeah, it is. It's it's better than any feeling I feel, you know, I'll ever have in my lifetime, that's for sure. Yeah. And 
I usually like to end the episodes by asking um, your favourite gig memory. You've given a couple, so you don't have to. I was going to say, I think I've already told you. Yeah. Um, that'd be that'd be it. I've definitely answered that one. That's that's for sure. Yep. And your, uh, I keep saying least favorite, but I don't think it's least favorite. It's more like a time where it hasn't gone according to plan, and you're just like, all right, I just want to scrap this right now. Oh, there hasn't been many. That's for sure. But I will say that probably the most, like, this is fucking awkward kind of one that we've ever done is it was the first tour that Sam and I ever did in Europe and we got booked in this uh, this venue, the, the venue of the pub, loved our music, but I don't think he had any idea of what is needed to run our sound through the speakers. And the speakers, I swear to God, I'm trying to find something that's about the size of the speakers, but just think of like your computer speakers, like the small little fucking things on the side of your of your computer. That's what we rocked up to the venue to have to play into. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> uh, there's their production coming. And he's like, this is it. This is my PA. And I was like, oh, my God, this is not going to work. Anyway, they ended up being like literally a full-packed crowd coming and we just could not do the show um, the way that obviously we usually do it. So it ended up being Sam tapping on a chair and me playing an acoustic guitar to a full crowd and I just said that our gear had broken and I couldn't do it through the speakers and we just did an acoustic show. But it was fucking nerve-wracking because we'd never done that before. Yeah, God. Kind of shit like that puts you on the spot. Hey, gotta think quick. Gotta think yeah. quick. God. Well, thank you so much for joining me again today, making the time in your day to have a chat. It's always a pleasure. No, thank you so much for all the support. I really appreciate it. No worries. I usually do a bit of a cheers um, at the end. Of- I know it's, it's probably a little bit early. I was I was nearly gonna I was nearly gonna crack one. And I thought, oh. It's only 10. I'm going to look like an alcoholic if I crack a <laughs> bottle of wine this early. So maybe if it was like 11, I might get away with it. But if I'm sitting, sitting, you know, answering the Zoom call when it's 10 o'clock and I'm going, yeah, bottle of wine, <laughs> everyone might be very concerned of my health. <laughs> I know. I feel that. I mean, look, we've gone past 10. He's going for it. <laughs> what are we, 12? We're 10.30 now. You know, it's it's only an hour and a half away from 12. <laughs> Here we go. I got, I got a little bit left over from last night. Cheers. Oh, beautiful. Cheers, mate. You share a 